Hello and welcome to House of Fire and Blood, the podcast where we ask, what if George R. R. Martin's Fire and Blood were told more like HBO's show House of the Dragon? Hello and welcome to House of Fire and Blood. My name is Caroline. I use she, her pronouns, and I'm here with Gretchen. Hi, everyone. I'm Gretchen, and I use they, them pronouns. And we are continuing our analysis of um, our well, podcast is called House of Fire and Blood, but the book Fire and Blood. Yeah. <laughs> and we are in the chapter, The Year of the Three Brides, mm-hmm. which is a, a whole chapter dedicated to one year of Targaryen history. Yep. It kind of really slows it down a lot, actually. I don't think that Martin spends as much time on short chapters, on, on chapters, or rather on sections like this and other parts. And we're reading from the beginning of that chapter through page 132 to the end of the parenthesis. Is that correct? Yes. Yep. Yeah. Where the, the, they the make high, the joke about the, the septum. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, having soiled himself because he saw dragons. Um, Which, the, like, I probably would too. So don't worry about it, buddy. Hasn't he seen them before? Like, hasn't he been the High Septon for a hot minute? We could talk about it anyway. Right. But also, he's really old. I know. It just feels like not true. But anyway. So let's get into our high-level summary. Gretchen, you want to start? All right. So um, the chapter is called The Year of the Three Brides. And, um, that I mean, that kind of says it all. We're going to break this up into two sections. But this is about three weddings. Mm-hmm. We, got, we got three weddings here. Um, the first one is uh, Raina, who... Um, Definitely runs off to Feral to marry the love of her life. I mean, a- Andrew Farman. He's yeah. just he's what ten years younger than she is. Yep. Right. Yep. He's seventeen. Yep. She's twenty six or twenty seven. Yep. And uh, she's so madly in love with him. Yep. She's so madly in love with him, and mm-hmm. all of her ex girlfriends attend. Yep. Um, and very yeah. gay of her to have it's all of her gay. exes at her wedding. <laughs> And her her favorites. I want to keep track of this in the text because I don't think that for non-gay women, the text describes their friends as favorites. Yeah. I think that's the way. I think the High Septon is like, or or rather, I'm sorry, the The maester maester who's writing this, sorry. Uh Um, The maester who's writing it is kind of nodding at us and being like her favorites. Because like, you know, other other queens haven't had favorites, you know. Yeah. Uh They certainly had ladies. Everybody has ladies in waiting and stuff like that. But like. They're not usually referred to as favorites. Yeah. Okay, unless, yeah, I think you're unless right. Unless they're gay. Um, unless they're gay. Yep. Which, like, and we, yeah, I mean, definitely he, she's there for the for the groom's high-spirited sister, the lady yeah. Alyssa. I'm sure, well, you know, Alyssa Farman. This Alyssa is Alyssa Farman. Farman. Yeah. Oh, Alyssa hey. Farman. Uh, we'll get more of her later in the story. We but, love um, her. She's great. Uh, so that's the first marriage. Now, that marriage kind of happens quickly and without, like, anybody's permission exactly because uh, Raina doesn't need your permission. Uh, and no. she also kind of was probably aware the political situation would not have allowed her to marry Andrew. He's, like, the younger son of a kind of lesser house. And mm-hmm. there were some other people that would have been more, like, fit for a Targaryen queen, you know, or Targaryen widow or whatever. But um, Raina said, I want to live here. And she didn't invite her mom to the wedding. Yeah, or like, yeah, and I kind of want to, I feel like I want to get into this a little bit later about what might be going on with Alyssa and Raina. Yeah, yeah. Um, Because the text doesn't spend much time about it. It just kind of like, 
assumes a lot about what is happening in their relationship and i'm mm-hmm. really curious about whether or not we can maybe try and unpack that yeah um, i don't i don't have a, i can't it seems mysterious to me so i'd love to hear your thoughts on that yeah um <clears throat> the next yeah. marriage that happens i mean rogar isn't happy he's real he's big mad mm-hmm. um rogar baratheon who is the one if y'all remember he's the one who um, he sheltered Lady Alyssa and Jaehaerys and Alysanne when Maegor mm-hmm. was in charge, and he was the one who declared Jaehaerys king at the end of Maegor's reign. Right, um, and now, now he is Hand of the King. Now he is Hand of the King. Um, and he's big mad that Reyna had made a decision without his input. Yes, yes. He's also, just to kind of tie this together, he's the grandson of the first Hand of the King. Um, yes. What was his name? Oris Baratheon? Oris. Oris Baratheon. So, like, the, the Targaryens and the Baratheons are really tight-knit at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, I yes. wonder if that'll change. Um, um, Alyssa and Jaehaerys seem really cool with Reyna getting married. They seem like nice kids. Yeah. Like, hey, big sister's getting married and happy. Good yeah. Father. I send, like them. Send, send her some money. Send a card. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We'll like, we'll like her Instagram post about it. Okay, good job. <laughs> <laughs> um... There's some politics happening in the section mm-hmm. where Alyssa and Jaharis are picking different counselors and they're kind of like, we shouldn't... Uh, the text says that Jaharis says we shouldn't um, alienate the people that supported Magor and that Alyssa agreed. Yeah. But maybe that might have been the reverse. Yeah. That might have been the reverse. We'll it's talk about that. Yeah, we'll talk that about that. Might be, might be different. Uh-huh. Uh, then there's a second wedding. The yeah. second wedding is Queen Alyssa and Rogar Baratheon. Yeah. Ooh. And this time um well yeah, he is also 10 years younger. Yeah. Just just like, you know, that is one thing Alyssa, you know, why can't Alyssa and Reyna just talk about being, you know, older women marrying younger men? Yeah, um, really. Because I mean, Alyssa's 42 mm-hmm. and Rogar is, you know, said to be a decade younger, so therefore around thir- early 30s. Mm-hmm. Um uh, and Jaharis does is not cool with this wedding though. Yeah, but he doesn't say anything except no. to like his closest confidants. So how yeah. we know this on page, I don't know. Right. But. Yep. Um, but he says that he believes that the hand was overreaching himself and mm-hmm. motivated more by a desire for power and position than true affection. And um, I, I tend to agree. I actually, Jaharis. I actually disagree. With Jaharis. Oh. So we could talk about that in the analysis section. Uh-huh. But, yeah. Um, they have the fanciest wedding. The biggest oh, wedding of the three. That sounds like such a good party, yo. They have, like, a, it's, like, seven days long. It's on, what, the seventh day of the seventh moon yep. of the yep. something or other. I highlighted it. The seventh yeah. day of the seventh moon of the new year. <laughs> yep. Yeah, it's it's very uh, pious. Very yeah. sevens. Um. Yeah, uh, it's called the Golden Wedding a little mm-hmm. bit further on. So this is like the big deal wedding, the big fancy wedding that everyone gets. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Rogar is described as like feasting and hunting and seems to act a lot like Robert Baratheon. Mm-hmm. He's with his boys. He's, He's doing his, his stuff with his boys. Uh, Alyssa is like also here. She's like planning stuff. It's a little right? unclear what she's doing. It says the Queen Regent Alyssa was busy with preparations for the wedding, but, like, not much more is described. And, like, she's so busy with preparations that Alysanne has to entertain all the lady guests. That seems strange to me. Yeah, it seems kind of weird to me. Yeah, but whatever. Maybe Alyssa was just like, I don't, she's like, I'm 42, I don't want to do this shit anymore, you do it. Right. Right, yeah. or I was wondering if they were, um, like, there's, 
I just thought of this right now of whether they're trying to make sure that Alyssa doesn't look like she's too much in charge. But like if you put mm-hmm. Jaharis as being kind of front and center because he's hosting a bunch of like private salons where yeah. basically like a bunch of lords get to come in and like they all tell have them this... about their feelings. You know what it is? You know, remember in Titanic? Have you seen the movie Titanic? Uh, I have not, actually. You've never seen Titanic? No. Oh, man. You should watch it up until they hit the iceberg and then stop and then pretend they get off the boat. Um, that's what I do. <laughs> but there's a, there's, in Titanic, they have a big fancy dinner with everybody, and then afterwards, all the men, like, retire to go smoke yes. cigars. Uh-huh. And, like, the women are left out. Yeah. And they're like, oh, we're going to talk politics. Like, you don't need to be there. And they, like, go yeah. off and, like, smoke cigars and, like, talk about, like, judicial appointments and shit. Uh-huh. Uh, that's what it reminded me of. Um, does Jaharis... He does not have Allison with him in those meetings. He just has no because Allison is busy entertain playing hostess. Right. Yeah. So I was wondering if maybe a little bit behind, maybe something that might be behind not having Alyssa play hostess is because hostess typically would have been the job like a would have been the job of the queen, mm-hmm. um, and B would have put her too much in a visible position of power mm-hmm. of like. Jaharis is king, but Alice, but Alyssa is the one who's like front and center entertaining the ladies. And I'm wondering if they wanted this, to like back her out of like visible power. This definitely gets to our question about what is power. Because if you think about it this way, what are they all practically doing? Rogar's chilling with his boys. Mm-hmm. Jaharis is being like madly political. Alyssa's chilling with her girls. I mean, sorry, Alisan is chilling with her girls. Alyssa is actually planning what is actually going to unfold. Mm-hmm. So in terms of like who has practical power about what's actually happening happening at this wedding, the answer is Alyssa. Right. If she's the one planning it and she's the one saying, this is where we're getting married. This is when it's happening. These are the people that are coming. Here's where we're going to sit. Here's where we're going to eat. Here are the events. Here's the, like, and she's the one mm-hmm. picking what everybody then does. Right. She's actually the one wielding the most power, but the text does not, does right. not say that at all. Yeah, isn't going to recognize it. Yeah, yeah isn't going to recognize that that's a form of power right. that she's wielding right there. Yeah, right. And I mean, and like, maybe that's why she chose it because she said, "I don't want it to be a mess." <laughs> right, and I feel like there is something also kind of mildly misogynist about the way it talks about what what Alisanne is doing. Mm-hmm. In the same way that people talk about the kinds of um, things that uh, Sansa does in the books, yeah, of like. Oh, she's just having dinner parties with the girls. And it's like, oh, like, she's dining with the second, supping with the third. She's having lunch with mm-hmm. one. And like, oh, she's just, like, having meals with women. And I'm like, right. What do you think they're talking about? What do you think they're doing right. in these parties? Well, what like, is Jaharis doing? Just, like, eating food. Jaharis is doing the same thing. But everyone's like, oh, my God, it's so good. <laughs> right, yeah. He's literally sitting there and letting the, like, lords talk to him. And they're like, oh, yeah, well, he's the fucking best. Yeah. And then Alisanne, <laughs> and they're like, oh, she's just, like, eating food with women. And I'm like, yeah. uh-huh, yeah. Actually, women women can't talk about really politics. Really important stuff. They, they don't, they don't, under, they, women can't, like, plan how to assassinate a king out of, out of, out of of lunch yeah you know, sure no the they never would they, they just, never like, would they just have like a fool entertain them while they eat food exactly they what i don't understand what the problem is it seemed perfectly reasonable to me so then <laughs> yes so then rogar has uh the the one of the grossest stories <gasps> uh i'm glad that you also you also highlighted it oh because God. i hate it so bad um and i 100 percent believe this happened yeah that like uh his bros brought over seven virgins from like essos 
to for Mm -hmm. him to deflower which is just like the grossest sentence well because well caroline Alyssa didn't have a maidenhead anymore because she'd already been married he needs to have that maidenhead manhood if he can't deflower his wife just the grossest thing (laughs) why are we like this disgusting why are we like this can we not can we abandon this concept of virginity and maidenhood and so gross it is so gross and And he 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 apparently can only manage to do it to four of the women before he falls asleep yeah um he he has sex he has sex i say has sex with i don't know how much of this is rape i was gonna say you know we're talking virgins or are we talking like Right. Young teenager? Are we mm-hmm. talking like, or is this like, you know, seasoned sex worker who's claiming to be a virgin or is a sex slave? Like, there's not details enough for us to know. Right. It just says that they are seven virgins from the finest pleasure houses of lease. And like, I don't know what that means. I, yeah, I don't. Yeah. There, this could be rape. This could be coercion. This could be, this could be even grosser. We just don't yep. know. Yep, it could be. Yeah, um, it could be. We hate it. Yep, and then every, the other dudes who are there take care of the rest, and it's real gross. Yeah. Um, good, what good a idea. what a great husband Alyssa is good, picking. Good time with the boys. Remember that time we deflowered seven virgins? Ugh. Ooh, Ugh. Right before your wedding? Ugh. Gross. Oh, my gosh. Anyway. And um, then the wedding happens. It's big and cool. Lots and, of people um, come. Yeah, Jaharis and Allison come and, like, land among everybody with their dragons, and it's badass. Yeah, they, like, pull a Rhaenyra from House of the Dragon and remember that, like, you don't actually have to use the dragons to -hmm. spit fire to, like, remind people that you're in charge. They're just like, how about if we just showed up to the wedding on our dragons be like hey yeah. remember remember targs and dragons that like remember our power? giant magic lizards yeah it's yeah just, that's cool I, I certainly remember them <laughs> yeah um and they steal the show which like good for them yeah um, all right so that's pretty much what happens in the first half of this chapter yeah um, so let's get into what was the maester thinking uh, I like your first note here. The heterosexually go- heterosexuality goggles are so strong. Oh my gosh. Truly, truly are. <laughs> Even if he is specifically like intentionally using favorites to mean like wink, wink, nudge, nudge, it's her girlfriend mm-hmm. or like female lover or whatever, like the way that he talks about her marrying Andrew is so very like, oh yeah, she totally just loves this dude. And I'm like, yeah. does she? Why else would a woman marry below her station, Gretchen? What else could there be but love for this 17-year-old? This this high school senior. Yep. Who yep. is definitely playing Minecraft in his daddy's gaming chair, you know? Like the right. what what could be wrong? Can you imagine being 27 and dating a 17-year-old? Ugh. <gasps> no, Jeez. I cannot. Ugh. I cannot. Do not want. I'm 31 um, now. I can't imagine dating a 27-year-old. Right. They're like fetuses. Um, but anyway. Yeah, they're babies. Yeah. Uh, I live right by a college. I live right by Loyola University. And so whenever yeah. I like see the kids walking by and I'm like, oh, babies. Look at yeah. those babies. I, I I look really young, unfortunately. Well, not, I mean, I just this is just how I right. look. It's not fortunate or unfortunate. It's just how I look. I just look really young. Mm-hmm. And like I, whenever I go like rock climbing, for example, like lots of people of all different ages rock climb. But I, I'm like talkative and friendly to people and I always like if, like end up making friends with like kids who are like in college they're like 20 and they think I'm also in college and I'm like I am not 
We are mm-hmm. we we are friends for for today as we climb rocks. Yep. <laughs> this is the friendship that we're having. It's temporary. It's now, and then you will never see me again. Please belay me up this wall. <laughs> I need your services. <laughs> right. Yeah. This 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 relationship is entirely transactional. Yes. Yes. I'm like I'm being nice because I want to climb this route. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. But yeah. Got, um. The other thing I wanted to talk about was uh. I mean, this is about Alyssa, right? But like, the mm-hmm. way that he talks about her of like, wow, she's so tragic. Mm-hmm. What a tragic figure. How courageous. She definitely can't be in charge though. At least he calls her courageous. I gave him the kudos for saying, right. like, you know, because basically what he does in the first half of this chapter is describe the events we saw in the previous chapters with Megor mm-hmm. from Alyssa's point of view in, like, a extremely truncated, like, two or three paragraphs. Right. Um, Which is interesting to think about it from, like, because he's, like, describing what had happened to her from her point of view, which with facts we already know. Right. Because we read them already. Right. And, you know, he does brush her off. There's a sentence where he's like, she can't possibly rule. Um... Because uh, uh, she's only a woman. So it's like talking about Jaharis on the top page 127. Uh-huh. A few questions. His right to take his place at the side of the young uh, king as hand. Someone so far as to whisper that it would be Rogar Baratheon who ruled the realm henceforth. For Jaharis was a boy and the son of a weak father while his mother was only a woman. And I'm like, why why you, why you be that way to Lady Alyssa? Yeah, come like, on. She's like, and then like later, but later he's like, you know. She was able to escape in part because of her own courage. Yeah. Um, and I'm like, yeah, because she fled with her kids and saved yep. Jaharis and Allison. I mean, but for her, you wouldn't have Jaharis and Allison. Yep. And this was the section I was thinking of. It's late further on in 127, kind of the like third paragraph down if you're using a hardcover book. Mm-hmm. Um, it says, the queen regent was loved. So beautiful. So brave. So tragic. Women said of her. Even such lords as might have balked at a woman ruling over them were willing to accept her as their liege, secure in the knowledge that she had Rogar Baratheon standing behind her and the young king less than a year away from his 16th name day. It just is so condescending to be like, oh, wow, she suffered so much. Like, sure, let her be in charge. But she has a big, strong husband. Oh, that's so great. And also, like, it's only for a year, so, like, it's Mm -hmm. fine. We should let her have some power. Let her have a little bit of power as a treat after everything she's gone through. Yeah, it really is extremely condescending. (laughs) Like, her resume, her resume is, is, it says, you know, beautiful, brave, tragic, mother of King Jaehaerys. Married to Rogar Baratheon. They're like, ah, there we go. Okay, she, she could do it. Temp- temporary for this job. Yep, yep. And that's fine. Yep. Um, and then uh, in that section you were talking about where they're describing her, uh, the the events of, you know, Maegor's reign from, from her perspective. It says, like, something along the lines of the throne that rightly belonged to her son. I was like, no, no it didn't. No, it didn't. You you have already forgotten that well, Rome exists. Well, sir. <laughs> the the maester needs women to consistently be not fit for power mm-hmm. to set up the dance with dragons. Right, and then after the dance, the dance is the the prime example of why women are not fit for power. Right, so it's never questioned again after that. Right, and any women who do hold power are like talking of like it talked talked about like this, like it's an exception. Like, oh, it's okay for Alyssa to be queen regent and like have as much power as she does. But, like, because Rogar's her husband and he's, like, big, strong man and we like mm-hmm. him. and he's He very, has an axe. He's Did you very know masculine. You yes. Know? The yeah. most masculine. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, and also, like, it's only for a short while because then Jaharis will be in charge. So, right, like, that's exactly. fine. We can make an exception. That's fine. We're, we much prefer a 16-year-old boy to a grown woman <gasps> who's been in oh doing gosh. this for many decades. <laughs> right. The 16-year-old boy who just seems like he's the empty slate. But we'll talk about that later. He's, he's um, the best, Gretchen. What do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> um, and along similar lines, like, we've got a couple of other women who just, like, don't get credit for shit. Mm-hmm. Um, Lady like, Lucinda, our Lady girl. Lucinda's coming back. Yes, and she's she's mentioned in this whole chapter. So she comes up once here and then once in the second half. Mm-hmm. Um, and as like being known for her piety, and I'm like, what she's known for is actually aiding and abetting the Red Dog. Yeah, like, who's now one I of your Kingsguard? I had no idea she was pious until this minute. And you're right. telling me she's known for that? She's known for aiding and abetting one of the outlaws. What are you talking yeah. about? Look, aiding and abetting the Red Dog, who then became a Kingsguard, who was one yes. of the, the two existing Kingsguard at this time. Yes. Like, we had that really emotionally moving scene where he, yeah. like, knelt down and, like, held up his sword. And it was yeah, really beautiful. Exactly. And he cried. I hope, I hope that when she came to King's Landing for the wedding that they got to fuck again. Yeah. I hope that that happened. Yes. Good for them. Maybe that's why she came yeah um uh-huh, that's why she came uh-huh. hey. um and also they talk about when they're talking about um oris for uh, or yes. that like when they're describing like rogar's lineage and like he was you know the grandson of oris baratheon mm-hmm. who um had quote taken argalak's daughter to wife and i'm like wow what a really polite way of saying that he forcibly married her to destroy the family's claim on the land um, after she'd been over. chained up naked and overthrown. What a really yeah. nice way to say that. Yeah. Taken to wife. This is really interesting because this is kind of the first time in the story where we're getting retellings of things we've already read. Mm-hmm. And it's already being rewritten. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's already being like spun. Mm-hmm. And it's like fascinating. And I'm just, I'm sure that Martin did this on purpose. Yep. That yeah. this, this this was purposeful, but like you can see it happening in real time within the text. How mm-hmm. this maester is spinning it based on where he is in the story. Yep. You know. Right. And also, he never he never names her. I'm like, she has a name. This yeah, character has Argella. a name. We know her, Arkella. Yes. She has a name, <sighs> but like, and I and like you're saying, this is such a a great way to see how women get erased from history. Yeah. Like yeah. all we know about Argella from this section, we don't even know her name. All mm-hmm. we know is that she is the daughter of Argalak, the Storm King, and that Oris married her. We have no idea that she had proclaimed herself queen, that she had held mm-hmm. out for, you know, like, and had resisted the, the dominance Targaryens. of the mm-hmm. Targaryens, mm-hmm. Um, and that then she had been overthrown by her own people and chained up naked and delivered to Oris Baratheon as it, like, we don't know anything about her. She has no mm-hmm. agency whatsoever. Like, mm-hmm. and we only... So we're seeing her being erased from the history in this section because mm-hmm. all she is is like bare, like she's just like, she's just the Storm King's daughter. No name, mm-hmm. no history, nothing about her. Yep. She's already been erased like a hundred pages later in the mm-hmm. story. She might as well not really be a person who matters. Yeah. I mean, that's I think what's how the maester feels about her for sure. Yeah, for sure. She's just, you yeah. know, she's just, she's just Rogar's like grandma. Right. Exactly. What 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 else could she be? Mm-hmm. You know this. There's also a lot of uh, Targ standing. We're gonna get that a lot through oh Jaharis's reign. Jaharis <laughs> is like the Targ standing is so thick. And also, what I'm gonna start calling for the love of monarchy. 
Okay, okay. Because this is just the like, man, monarchy's real great when the king is super great. We like, don't it. we just love having a king when he's the bestest king? Yeah, when he's a good oh. king, this works really well. Love when this. When the ruler happens to be good. Love, love, love the monarchy. I love this section because um, the part, it starts on the bottom of 129, goes into 130. Uh, but it's a section where they're talking about the lords meeting with the king oh and how God. they all describe him. <laughs> yep. He's yeah. like a horoscope. Like, I, we talked about this before on the podcast, how horoscopes, like, tell you two, two opposite things. So it's always applicable. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing with them. Like, um, he's not his father's son. Um, uh, he listens well, but says little, gentle and oh, soft-spoken. That's, that's the best witty part. And, witty that's... and good-humored, cautious and shrewd. I mean, like, just everybody has a different opinion of what he's like. Uh-huh. He's grim. He's stern. He's wise beyond his years. Uh, I see his grandsire in him. But, like, things that are contradictory. Yep. You know? Yep. And the sense that I get is, was, like, he's holding... So this is when he's, like, holding court. He's, like, allowing all of the mm-hmm. lords to come and tell them their feelings and thoughts. Yeah. That, like, I'm getting the sense that he's not really saying much. That, like... Yeah. That, like, like it was Lord Vance says that, like, he listens well but says little. That he's mostly just sitting there and letting them talk. Right. And, like, they're loving it because they get a chance. They feel like they're talking to the king and he's listening. And I'm like, I'm, I wonder, like, is he paying attention? Mm-hmm. Like, does it even matter? And how mm-hmm. much of this is just, like, they are projecting onto him what they want to see yep. in him? Yep. When literally he's just, like, a blank slate. He's just literally sitting in a chair listening to them talk or maybe standing at the painted table. He's just mm-hmm. there Letting them talk and like they get to interpret that however they want. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what's going on. Yep. And it's exact. It's just like what happens with us, in, like in modern day, with like celebrities. Mm-hmm. Like you don't really know. You know, I don't really know Taylor Swift. No. Nope. But I, I think she's a nice person. I don't. I don't actually know that. Uh, it's based on what that she hasn't been outwardly a dick. But I don't know. She could be a dick behind the scenes. I have no idea. Right. But it's like, yeah, exactly. It's the same kind of thing. It's like you project onto these idols and that's kind of what monarchy is for, right? It's mm-hmm. for you to have this sense of unity and sense of leadership. Uh, but yeah, I think that Martin's doing two things here. He's, he's doing that and he's also showing us how easy it is to rewrite history again. Yep. Yep. And how, how like, little facts really matter in that determination. Mm-hmm. You know, because we don't get anything from this where, like, Jaharis, like, after these meetings, Jaharis discovered that there was this big problem in the realm between the lords because of taxes or roads or some such thing. And so he made a dis- decision to change. Like, he doesn't do anything. No. He just, like, as you're saying, he's just, like, playing therapist to them and letting them talk. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they walk away feeling better. They get to, and it's interesting also, like, what they're projecting onto him and what mm-hmm. that says kind of about both i think what they want in a king and also what the realm feels like it needs in the wake of magor because mm-hmm. so much of the stuff that's said about him is basically like well he's not like magor and also not like his dad like he's yeah. he's not cruel you know quote unquote cruel and mm-hmm. monstrous but he's also not weak or indecisive like Aenys. Like, basically, everyone is looking at him and going, oh, the king we needed. Yeah. He is the king we needed and the king we want. He's the, He has everything that we want in a king. Mm-hmm. And the flavor of what that means is slightly different based on the particular lord. But the overall feeling is like, 
he's the king we need after two terrible kings who are terrible in different ways and they each yeah. and everyone is kind of deciding what that means but it basically just amounts to he's not magor and he's not Aenys. yeah well so there's sort of an interesting historical parallel to this in in real life um so, and i wanted to bring up the fact that and we mentioned in the summary um jaharis creates this council that you could describe as it would be described as a team of rivals some mm-hmm. of his counselors are people that had supported him, but a bunch of them are not. A bunch of them are, like, he brings the guy who was the hand of the king to Magor onto his small council and makes him master of coin. Like, mm-hmm. and he does that for several different roles. That has a historical parallel to Abraham Lincoln. Yeah. Abraham Lincoln did that. He specifically filled his cabinet with people that challenged him. And there's a sort of interesting ph- uh, philosophical conversation that happens around, quote-unquote, great, great people. Like, Abraham Lincoln, for example, being president during the Civil War. If he wasn't the one that did it, mm-hmm. it would have been somebody else. Right. So the question is, like, is Abraham Lincoln himself, like, was he so special as a person that, like, we needed him? Like, was he the president we needed? Like, how Jaharis was the king we needed? Or did we just need kind of someone to fulfill that role and somebody would have done it? Right. You know? Like, if not for Jaharis... If they like, didn't have Jaharis, if Jaharis was like killed during the wars or some such thing, then probably Reyna, right? Mm-hmm. Then probably there would have been no boys left and they would have said, well, the eldest is Reyna and probably Reyna and she would make an excellent queen. Right. So it's kind of interesting to think about like the happenstance of chance in history mm-hmm. and how when we look back on it, we try to be like, oh, this is what we needed. He, Jaharis did such good stuff. Abraham Lincoln did such good stuff. These were like the right people. But like, Really, that was just kind of chance that that occurred, and some somebody else would have stepped into that role and done that. Right, right. Like, does Jaharis have to be the best kind of person to do this job? Does he have to be, like, gentle and soft-spoken and wise? Like, does he have to be all those things in order for the kingdom to have gone the way that it did under his reign? Or does he just have to have, like, surrounded himself by people who were also good at making decisions like right. how much, like there's there's also a level of like i feel like probably hindsight mm-hmm. you know that like because of the way his reign went because it was long and mostly peaceful at least for the westerosi landed gentry mm-hmm. um and you know there weren't any rebellions that like they are like retroactively like applying the results of his reign to him as character traits mm-hmm. that they're like, well, the only yes. way that like things could have been peaceful is if he's wise and good. And it's like, yes. no, he could also like be like an airhead and things went that way. Also, right. like, some of it is luck. Yeah. Like it's the same way with, with Magor. The fact that with Magor right. is the opposite. They, because things went South. Yep. They, you know, the, from the beginning he was Magor the cruel and he was bad and he was cutting up cats as a child, you know, all these things. Right. That, it's the same exact thing. It's not the using hindsight and knowing where it ends to color the way that you write the history. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And Aenys was bad and weak, was a bad king because he was weak and indecisive because mm-hmm. his his lack of making decisions didn't work out. Whereas other kings have have not made speedy decisions and it worked out for them and they were not right. called weak and indecisive. And it wasn't indecisive. It was it was counseled and wise. Yeah, it, it was, was strategic. You know, it was strategic. And... It was patient. Uh-huh. Was patient, you know, right, yeah. That kind of stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. So I'm always, re- I've, I'm <laughs> starting to develop a, a healthy skepticism whenever like 
very specific character traits are like imputed to like one of the kings and is like was he really like that yeah. well speaking of Jaehaerys do, do you think he was the one that made the decision about the counselors or do you think it was Alyssa who made the decision about the counselors um okay yeah let's talk about that like that I have that as part of our like analysis oh, that section um but we can jump to that and then and then move back to other things because we're pretty much at the end of the Targ standing stuff yeah um so yeah like that's a really good question who is making these decisions and i feel like we can start off our analysis by talking about who's making these decisions i do tend to think that it was probably the other way around like you said that Alyssa's probably making these choices um Mm -hmm. or at the very least that like jaharis himself is not the one who's like the way yeah the way that it's put is that he of his own you know 16 year old youthful wisdom or 15 year old Mm -hmm. wisdom is like you know we should definitely not just reward our own loyalists and exclude magor's men um that's only going to make things worse so you know let's you know let's do things differently i feel like that is not necessarily the kind of thing a 15 year old thinks of i i definitely don't think a 15 year old would think of that i don't think he would disagree no i think probably he was like we have to, his mom is probably like, sweetie, we have to, like, you know, turn off the laptop. We have to come fill the council. And uh-huh. he was like, okay, like, I don't want to, but who do we fill it with? I don't care. And she was like, well, what about reward? Like, you know, we could reward some people, but we don't want to exclude the people that, you know, just rejoined us. Maybe we should do a mix. And he was probably like, yeah, it sounds good. You know, like, I think they seem to have an amicable relationship where she can give him that kind of counsel and he listens to it and then carries through with it. Right. Yeah, I want to read a section along these lines. It's on page mm-hmm. 126. Um, it would be a mistake to underestimate the influence of Jaehaerys Targaryen himself during the years of his regency. For despite his youth, the boy king had a seat at most every council, but not all, as will be told shortly, and was never shy about letting his voice be heard. In the end, however, the final authority throughout this period rested with his mother, the queen regent, and the hand, a redoubtable man in his own right. I want to be like, so which is it, though? Which is it, though, mm-hmm. Maester Gildane? Is yeah. it that the king was never shy about making his voices heard, but the real authority was with the Queen Regent in the hand? Or should we not underestimate his influence? I'm like, I feel like you're right. telling me, well, don't underestimate Jaehaerys, and then tell, actually telling me, right, like... Underestimate him. But underestimate no, no. him, because, no, because Maester, Queen Elizabeth and Hogar were actually in charge. <laughs> The makes are saying, don't underestimate him, but estimate him at a low level. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> estimate him as below the queen and the, re- and the hand. <laughs> I just like that he, the way he phrased it was like, he was never shy about making his voice heard, but the real power was with the queen and Rogar. And I'm like, oh, so Jaharius was allowed to talk. Yes. Good. He spoke up. He had opinions. But ultimately, yeah. so it, that's the part of this whole chapter, but especially this part of the chapter that I'm like, Okay, that tells us what's really happening. That's mm-hmm. the part where, like, Archmaester Gildane is actually showing his hand and saying, mm-hmm. sure, Jaehaerys had thoughts. He spoke them. But yes. the people ultimately making choices are Queen Alyssa and Rogar Baratheon. And yeah. I feel like even between those two, it's more often Queen Alyssa than mm-hmm. it is Rogar Baratheon. Yeah. And which is a good thing because they're, like, the real adults in the room and Jaehaerys right. is 15. So, like, yeah, I want Queen Alyssa and Rogar Baratheon to be making decisions. Uh-huh. Like, to absolutely. Right, right. But I feel like the way that 
Like Archmage Sturgildane tips his hand here and like lets us in on the truth. But then the rest of the times is more often likely to be like, oh yeah, Jaharis made a choice and like mom was okay with it. Mom right. was totally fine with it. And I'm like, well, you, okay. That's just, you can't let, you can't make it that obvious that Alyssa is the one really ruling right now. You right. you really want everyone to believe that a 15-year-old boy is like wise beyond his years, mm -hmm. the smartest boy, bestest, mm -hmm. makes the greatest decisions. And I guess to what extent is it that the maester is like actively wanting us to think that versus the maester himself thinks that? You know, there's a level of, of uh -huh. the bias being so ingrained in the maester that, because I do think some of this is the maester's addition, knowing that the Dance of Dragons is coming. Right. Yep. But some of it is just the maester's bias. Like, some, the, like you know, was Alyssa the true ruler said no maester ever? Right. Right. I don't think it could even occur to him uh -huh. that that's what was really going on. Like, he he's not questioning it, so why would his text? Right. Because he can't even just say Queen Alyssa. He has to say Queen Alyssa and the hand of the king. Yeah, and Ruger And her yeah. husband. And her husband, the very manly man. So do you think Jaharis actually cared about them getting married? No. I don't think so either. I don't think he would have cared. Except to the extent that, like, any 15-year-old would be, like, somewhat emotionally invested when their mom gets remarried. Mm -hmm. You know, in that, in that kind of personal sense. But I don't think he had a political... I think this was personal, not political. Yeah. If anything. And I feel like it's an, like that actually felt like a moment where they're trying to make the young Jaharis wise beyond his years mm -hmm. because of where the story's going. And I think that the maester wanted to, this is one of the things where he was like, you know, this marriage was like, like, you know, it was like, obviously it was a big deal. They had this huge wedding. Everyone went to it. It ended up being great, whatever. Um, but he wanted to be able to write the story of, you know, but also may maybe, maybe the hand was overreaching. But he didn't mm -hmm. want to say it himself. So he's like, Jaharis thought. Yep. Maybe yep. the hand was overreaching. Like, no, he didn't. Mm -hmm. No, no, he's 15 no, he years didn't. old. The only thing yeah. he probably cares about is like, that's my mom. Okay. Yeah. He would, he would probably have feelings about anybody marrying his mom. Right. But they're not political feelings. They're personal feelings. Yeah, they're personal feelings. Yeah, especially with his dad being dead and everything like that. So. Right. Um, so yeah, I feel like that transitioned us really smoothly to talking about Rogar Barath Baratheon. Mm -hmm. um, who I am, I am deeply cynical of Rogar Baratheon. Okay. Um, okay. Fairly I think, so. <laughs> I think that everything that he is doing is political, including mm -hmm. his marriage to Alyssa. And like, mm -hmm. um, so like the beginning section, he definitely like, he's mad when he gets mad, when Raina gets married, which we can mm -hmm. circle back around to talk the questions about Raina's, Raina's wedding. Mm -hmm. Um, so he gets mad when Raina gets married without his permission, which yes. is like, excuse me, sir. <laughs> yeah, it's like she's a fucking Targaryen. She should be the queen, but she's at minimum a Targaryen princess. Right. What, what, who are you? Right. Like, and you you are the hand of the king. Um, sure. But you're not her dad. Mm -hmm. um, he definitely, definitely wanted to marry Raina off to either his brother or his nephews. Because that's mentioned yep. in the text. He absolutely... Wanted yep. to marry her off, not just to any possible other lord. He wanted to marry her in his family. Yeah. Um, and that's why he's so mad that he's, like, entitled and angry. Whenever he doesn't get to wield the power he wants to or believes that he deserves to, um, mm -hmm. and whenever he doesn't get to further consolidate power within his own family line, 
he gets mm-hmm. real big mad. Yeah. And that um that reminds me of Otto Hightower. Yeah. It is very Otto Hightower from from House of the Dragon. That mm-hmm. he is definitely trying to I think he's absolutely trying to climb the ladder. That he's trying to get mm-hmm. as close to centralize like as close to the seat of power as he can possibly get. Mm-hmm. And that includes marrying Alyssa. Because mm-hmm. as the text says, like, um, um, for what is the queen's lord husband if not a king? King, yes. <laughs> that like I am really cynical about his so, marriage to Alyssa. I don't disagree about about Rogar Baratheon, but when you ask the question, who decided for them to get married? Right. I don't think the answer is Rogar Baratheon. I think the answer is Alyssa, for the following reason. Rogar Baratheon is already hand of the king. Marrying Alyssa, the queen regent, does not actually confer any additional power on him. No, just the perception of it. Right. But but the, the king is about to be in his majority. He's less than a year out of being in his majority, right? But Rogar, regardless of who he marries, is the hand of the king. He's going to, I mean, hand less until the king dies or until mm-hmm. the king fires you or right. until you die. Right. So hand is a lifelong appointment. So he's in that position of power. The person who's imminently going to lose power is Queen Alyssa. Because mm. you're only regent until the king is in his majority. So I actually think she was trying to remain in power and relevant on the court by marrying him. Oh, I like that. Because one of my questions is like, it's real clear why he would want to marry her. Mm-hmm. But it's less clear why Queen Alyssa would want to marry Rogar Baratheon. Other than just like, I don't know, he's a manly dude and it might raise her uh, social it's, it's got the- It's the power. It's got to be the proximity to power. Mm-hmm. And... I think it what concerned me from Rogar's point of view is Rogar doesn't have any heirs. He doesn't have any children. No. And she's an older and, woman. And she's 42. I mean, she can still have children and we'll see down the line if we you know if her, that does or does not happen. Um, but yeah, it's like much more dangerous and much less guaranteed that she would be able to have any children with him. That's a weird thing for a man in Westeros to do. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. And... To, because basically what he's saying by marrying her is that he's sacrificing having an heir of his body. Having like a, a regular patriarchy kind of heir. So whatever he has, Storm, Storm's End, whatever, would pass to a brother or a nephew or something along those lines. Which he might be chill with, but is strange. Yep, yep. So I I tend to think that the concept of them marrying was Alyssa's doing more so than his doing and maybe he mm-hmm. thought it would bring him closer to the king or maybe it would th- he thought like well wouldn't i be a king then kind of because i'm married to the queen also or i'd be the i'd be the king's stepdad yeah like it would put it would kind of maybe sew him closer to it to an extent but mm-hmm. but really i mean he's hand he's in his power position already he's not going to gain more power from marrying queen Alyssa, but she will gain a permanent place in court being married mm-hmm. to the hand because like we see with Cersei, with, um, you know, in, in A Song of Ice and Fire proper, right. a big threat to her power is the aging of her children. You know, once they start getting older and marrying, she's, you know, threatened with being sent back to Casterly Rock, not even mm-hmm. being able to choose where she's living because right. she's disposable at that point. Right. And there, that create, opens up a really interesting possibility that, like, once again, Alyssa and Reyna have something in common, mm-hmm. which is that they are both thinking strategically about 
and planning their own marriages. Mm-hmm. Um, and by controlling their own marriage are gaining power in a way that so many other women can't. Because most women in Westeros don't get any kind of control over who they marry. Mm-hmm. Um, because they're, I mean, essentially property under feudalist patriarchy. Women are. Right. Um, so this would be another way that, like, Alyssa and Reyna actually have something in common, is that they were both able to have control over their own marriage mm-hmm. um, in a way that most other women cannot and have not yeah. been able to. Um, mm-hmm. I really like that. I think that that's great. And actually, that does make sense because I do believe that Alyssa wants to remain in power. Yes. I think Alyssa wants to, she loves her kids. She's done a lot of stuff for Jaehaerys and Alessandra. The last one she's got, I mean, she's got Reyna, but they're the last ones that she's got, like, good relationships with. And, right. um, yeah, I think she wants to stay in King's Landing and stay in power. Uh, and not for, like, an evil, nefarious, sorceress kind of reason, but, no. like, to, to genuinely be helpful and to protect her family. Yeah, I think that there are ways that this depiction of Alyssa actually reminds me a lot of House of the Dragon's depiction of Alicent. Mm-hmm. that like she is a mother who is deeply concerned about her children's future and like mm-hmm. threats to them um because as we will see like she's pretty deeply traumatized by what happened with Aegon the uncrowned yeah. under magor which like fair <laughs> yeah it was a kind of a bad time yeah <laughs> yeah like both what happened to magor and then to viserys not not magor to Aegon the uncrowned and then to viserys she lost would two also- children what also happened to Reyna, you know, yep. being present for Reyna, being forced to be wed to Magor. Yep. And, you know, knowing right. what, like, that kind of, like, knowing that her daughter was going to be basically sexually abused by this man. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. That, like, she strikes me as, in the same way that the show House of the Dragon is trying to paint Alicent as someone who, like, maybe goes too far, but, like, deep down it comes from a place of fear. That she's, mm-hmm. like, terrified of the perceived threats to her children. Which, like, Otto is the one who's, like, telling her, like, you need to be terrified for your kids. Rhaenyra would kill them if she mm-hmm. were queen. But, mm-hmm. like, she is genuinely motivated by, like, what to her is, like, a real perceived threat to her children. Right. And that's, like, her deep abiding motivation throughout most of the story. She's terrified about losing her kids. Mm-hmm. And I feel like Alyssa has some level of that. Like, some, maybe not to the same degree as Allison, but similarly is, like, deeply motivated by, like, a desire to protect her children from the threats of what being the royal family has been mm-hmm. like to her it's been mostly trauma mm-hmm. yeah being the royal family is mostly trauma and like she sees jaharis and alice and alisan as like the they're the kids who survived and got out okay they're the kids she was able to save yes yeah, she's the one she, she wasn't th- able to save the other ones yeah right and so i can see some of her desire to stay in power as not just like I'm a I'm a power hungry spooky scary lady, yeah. but like yeah. these are still my babies. I was able to save them, and it's still my job to protect them because they don't know what they're getting into. Like I they was are able still to- children. I mean, yes. Harris is fifteen. Allison is thirteen. Thirteen. They're babies. So, yeah. Um. Ugh. So yeah, Allison's like I, I see school. a lot of that in her, and that and that and in that way, I feel a lot of sympathy in the same way that you and I both like feel like deep sympathy for Alicent for on the Alicent, show. Yes. Like poor Alicent and her patriarchy brain and her Alicent. like fear that Otto instilled in her. Alicent really likes that pretty window in her prison. Okay. That's yeah. what she wants. Uh-huh. <laughs> right. And I feel like Alyssa has like leans kind of that direction. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, I completely, I agree with that. I agree with that. That makes sense to me. Yeah. So that brings up the question of like, let's go, let's circle back around to Raina's wedding because I, I want to yes. talk about the relationship between Alyssa and Raina. I had, I don't, I could not unpack this. So I would love to hear your thoughts about it. So, okay. So what do you okay. think? So, I mean, to start off, like, this is just yet another way in which like Raina is the smartest lady in the room. <laughs> the Raina's like, I, I see her. which way the political <laughs> wind is blowing. I better go get married before yeah. either Rogar or my younger brother marries, marries me off. Yeah. And I want to be by my girlfriend, Alyssa, so I'm just going to marry her brother. You mean her favorite, her new best friend. Her new best friend. That's her right. Her gal pal, her yeah. roommate, her, Alyssa her Foreman. Her first best friend. Her first best friend. Her oh, well, best. it's just like her 10th best friend at this point. <laughs> <laughs> She's had so many girlfriends. I said, wait, wait, I put something in my notes about how many girlfriends she has. Where did I put it? I said, I wrote... How good must you be in bed for three of your girlfriends to come be with you at your wedding? Yep. Yep. <laughs> oh, my God. She's listen, you know? She's... I just, I also, like, we keep saying whenever her girlfriends show up, the answer to, like, did they have sex again is yes. Yes. Oh, yes. So, yeah, that, like, she's she's getting married to Andrew and, like, having sex with all of her exes and her current girlfriend, you know? Oh, definitely. Get Easily. it, Raina. Yeah. Absolutely get it. Um... So yeah, we just talked about how she's claiming the only power she can in choosing her own spouse, um, who conveniently has like a hot, high-spirited sister. Um, but really, yeah, my question, why was Alyssa so upset? Why was she so upset? Is it really mm-hmm. that she didn't get invited to her daughter's wedding? That just seems, that seems like one of those like, the maesters don't care about what women are worried about and assume yeah. that it's about jealousy of some kind they're like i don't know yeah. women be catty so it must be that well, she wasn't invited to her daughter's wedding so i'm trying to think so when was the last time when was the last time the two of them were together was it in king's landing for the what the black brides probably i think so so and Alyssa. so if i recall correctly Alyssa gets away first with jaharis and allison mm-hmm Yep. And then later, Reyna gets away. Yep. Right. And does something very similar to what Alyssa did. So I am I kind of had assumed that they planned that together in some uh-huh. fashion. But maybe they didn't. Maybe, like, this acrimony between them comes from er- earlier than this. Set. Obviously, it's not about, like, oh, you didn't invite mm-hmm. me to your wedding. Like, that's mm-hmm. a shitty thing to do, but not a reason to, like, hate your kid. Right. Um Maybe, like, when that was happening, that was obviously a very traumatic experience for all of them, but there was something else going on where, like, uh, Alyssa arranged to escape with Jaharis and Allison and didn't tell Reyna. Mm-hmm. And I could also see Reyna having, like, resentment towards her mom for, like, not doing anything to stop yep. this wedding, even though, like, realistically, Alyssa wasn't in the position to. Right. But, like being at the wedding and like looking at your mom and being like i'm about to be forcibly married to this man who's going to sexually assault me uh mm-hmm. and have me available for sexual assault as much as possible and, and mom's not doing anything right e- even though like logically there wasn't anything mom could do but like just the fact that she's just watching it happen i right. could see that forming resentment and the fact that mom ran away with the other two kids and left me there mm-hmm. yep and maybe didn't tell me about it yep you know. I, I can definitely see some of that. Um, here are some other thoughts. These are just things I'm throwing out there. Um, mm-hmm. Did Reyna defy directly, defy Alyssa directly by marrying Andro? Had Alyssa said, like, 
mm-hmm. there are conversations happening behind the scenes about Raina getting married that like Raina directly defied her by saying, I'm going to marry Andro. And mm-hmm. Alyssa had wanted her to marry someone else. Mm-hmm. Um, had Alyssa been telling her like she needs to get married and like throwing out these options of like, hey, you should marry like X, Y, or Z. And Alyssa was like, fuck you. No, I'm going to go marry my my girlfriend's brother. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Did Raina not like Rogar? I have a feeling that Reyna and Rogar probably would not get along very well. Would not get along. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think they Um, would not get along very well. I tend to agree with that, yes. And also, I think if we're looking at this dynamic, if if Alyssa and Allison have some things in common, I think Rhaenyra and Reyna have some things in common about Mm -hmm. um, powerful women who are less concerned with working within the confines of their prisons and yep. more willing to just be like fuck you i'm gonna do what i want yep i was I can, just thinking that yeah that in a way that's in like a way that like directly parallels what we see with alicent and rainier in house of the dragon i could see a yeah. similar dynamic developing with Alyssa and reyna where Alyssa's like look honey like you gotta be smart about this you gotta you know like if you still want to mm-hmm. have power like you should marry the right person. If you want to be, you mm-hmm. know, like, sure, you had to marry Magor. Sure, you, you know, sure, your first husband, your first two husbands died. But, like, if you want to stay close to power, you need to marry right. Or you need to marry the, you know, like, you can't just mm-hmm. go off and do whatever you want. You you might have to give up your girlfriends. Like, I've yeah. known that you're queer for a really long time. But, like, if you really want to, like, have power and be central, you're going to have to give up your girlfriends. Like, mm-hmm. you're going to have to just submit to patriarchy right. and, like, live within the confines of patriarchy if you want to do this right. And I can see Raina being like, no! Fuck no! Mm-hmm. I don't want that! I want I to have my girlfriends. Up, I was about to bring up the queer aspect of this, because, yes, I do think Alyssa has known from, like, to teenage years, that because Raina brought, like, her what, Melody Right, Piper, like, she was, right, like, a bitter, moody teenager yeah. until her <laughs> girlfriend was brought on parade, and then she was fine. And I think this is, I mean, it's very Allison in the kind of, like, you have to accept the suffering, right. you know, that kind of like, you know, you can't have what, everything you want. Like you have to accept like, okay, you had your fun with your girlfriends, whatever, like everybody does that, who cares? But then like you grow up and you, you, you accept your, your role and you fulfill this role and this is what will make you, you know, correct. This is the correct way to be. Mm-hmm. And like very, very heavy on the patriarchy. It reminds me of, um, have you watched the L word? No. Oh, really? No. Oh, it's worth the watch. It's not good. But <laughs> there's a, one of the characters in the L word who's an, like an adult comes out to her parents and it become it's revealed throughout flashbacks in the episode that the mother had, uh, that that character's mother had had a crush on a girl when mm. she was a teenager and been like rebuffed and is now like a very conservative, yep. like very anti-gay, right? So the character comes out to the mom and the mom's initial reaction, at least in that episode, is... um sweetie everyone has feelings like that for their girlfriends it doesn't mean you act on them and she like leaves and you're like no that means you're gay it's really funny i I actually have a story about that with my mom oh (laughs) yeah when i came out as bisexual to my mom she was like oh yeah you know i had crushes on some of my like nursing school teachers when i was your age and that you know like that didn't mean anything and i was like no mom it means you're bi yeah you're gay mom I couldn't tell her that because my mom had also become very conservative and, you know, but I was like, you're missing the point. Like, exactly. But that's exactly what I'm saying. It's like, and like, that's in this text Mm -hmm. here. And I think what you're identifying is exactly correct. Like, you have your Allison's, your Alyssa's who 
like know these divergent divergent quote unquote things exist right but are so bound in their patriarchy brain to this set of rules and they're like can everyone please just do the rules right and then you have your reinas and your reineras who are like eh, what are the rules, rules. i could do and I, to come back to one of your points gretchen alicent does not have a dragon Alyssa, Alyssa? does Alyssa have a dragon no she's no, a right? valarian right so again mm-hmm. we get that matching of dragons yeah. with power yeah, when agency. you have power, you are less bound by the rule. You feel less bound by the rules. Yeah, you can get away with it. And the people who don't have that kind of power end up resenting the freedom that you have to kind of do whatever you want. Mm-hmm. Um, I and this is making me wonder. There is nothing in the text to prove this, but I am curious as to whether if Reyna hadn't married Andro, would Alyssa have actually pitched Reyna as a wife for Rogar? I don't know. And that's the thing. I don't know. But, like, I'm trying to think, like, if, yeah, it's just a question in my mind of, like, precisely because of the idea that, like, Alyssa is beyond, is potentially beyond childbearing years. Right. So, like, Raina might have made a better sell, like, an even better mm-hmm. sell to Rogar as a, like, you get, like, you will solidify, you'll, you'll close, mm-hmm. you'll tie yourself more closely to the throne but that gets in the way of our our theory that Alyssa was doing it so that she could stay close to the throne. Yeah, I think Alyssa would have wanted. I think Alyssa also is a woman who probably wants to be married. Mm-hmm. Like we don't have any indication. Like she didn't have bad marriages and like her husbands mm-hmm. were bad kind of way. She just had like her like bad things happen to her family because of like outside forces. Yeah, no, Amy um, seems like a great husband actually. Yeah, from all we and can tell, and she's she's so steeped in patriarchy brain. You know, that I imagine she feels incomplete without mm-hmm. a husband. Right. You know, and I, I pull this from conversations I've had with my mother. That my, my, my parents are still both alive and married. Um, but my mom's talked about the fact, like, you know, that she would consider, like, if my father died, she would consider getting remarried because she, like, likes having a husband. Mm-hmm. And it's just something that is fulfilling for her. And my mom is very patriarchy brain, so it's great to compare to these ladies in this text. Right, right. <laughs> Uh-huh. Uh, so I I wonder if Queen Alyssa I mean how many years at this point? So is it forty nine ACs? When does Aenys die? Because Magor only rules for six years and sixty six days. So she was like mid thirties when he died. Cause he would have died thirties. Like, yeah. So she's been single for a while, mm-hmm. you know? She right. might just, like, want to be married, too. That might be an aspect of it as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So. Yeah, and, yeah, in that way of, like, buying into, you know, she's really internalized patriarchy brain that, like, being married, having a, having a you know, a husband makes you fulfilled. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I feel like the more I think about it, the more it makes sense to have some kind of, like, that the actual, like struggle between Alyssa and Reyna is about the same is is closer to what we're seeing on the show House of the Dragon with Alicent and Rhaenyra about like how women under patriarchy perceive pathways to power and how to use the power that they already have and that they're disagreeing fundamentally on that point um and it's not just because they didn't get invited to each other's weddings no, I'm going to go on a limb and say it's it's not because they weren't invited to each other's <laughs> weddings. I, I think that's 
<laughs> Definitely not it. Uh-huh. I, I, wanna, I feel pretty strongly about that. That these catty women are not just mad about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, oh man, I wish there was a visual adaptation of this. Oh book. my gosh. <laughs> so one character we haven't really talked about is Alisan, and we finally get characterization for her this section. Yes. My, oh my girl, God. what a nerd! She's such a I, nerd. She's such a nerd. I want to. I want to point out the stupid blood purity shit. Oh my God! In this section, uh-huh. they finally identify that Alyssa's parents. Her father was a Valerian. Her mother was a Massey. Uh huh. So Alyssa is only half Valerian. Yep. And she's half Massey. And then her kids, Jaharis and Alyssa, are obviously half Targaryen because they've got the uh, Aenys as the father, and um. So they're half Targaryen, Maybe a, a quarter, quarter, quarter Valyrian, a quarter Massey. Right. And uh, uh, Allison, Princess Allison comes out with blue eyes and honey-colored hair. So yeah. she doesn't even have the, tar- the Targaryen look. She's just know. like a blonde-haired, blue-eyed babe. Yeah. Like very and, normal. And it's like it's mentioned here. I'm curious moving forward to see if it ever comes up again because the text is so into it. Anytime somebody has the... The beaten gold silver hair and lavender eyes of a true Targaryen. Like, how many times is that phrase repeated in this text? Uh, and they lean on it as so important. And I'm like, these these kids who are your, like, fancy magical Targaryens are only 50% Targaryen. Yep. Right. Well, right. And that is assuming that it was Targaryens all the way till then, you know? Right. Like, exactly. They're just as mixed as everybody else. Um Right. Because, yeah, under in the descriptions here, Alyssa looks more like a true Targaryen than Alysanne mm-hmm. does because she's talked about as having the, like, white, you know, she's got lavender eyes and, like, silvery white hair or something mm-hmm. because she's Valarian or whatever. Um, yeah, and she's so, so technically, beautiful. she looks more like a Targaryen than Alysanne, and yet Alysanne has the dragon, and mm-hmm. she just looks like, I don't know, like she's Nordic. She's got blonde hair yeah. and blue eyes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> She's busy reading. She's got shit to do. Oh, my God. I just, she's such a nerd. I mm-hmm. love her. Um, but was, you know, couldn't become a, couldn't follow in her nerdness. Um, uh, oh, is that in this section? That might be later on. Or no oh, way. that they were, they wanted to send her to. Uh... Yeah, that's later on. Um, but yeah, we are getting a little bit. We get more description of Alisan in the second half of this, but we do get some that like, um, well, the fact that she she hosted that wedding. Yes, she was thirteen. Mm-hmm. She was in eighth grade. Yep. When I was when I was in eighth grade, I, I could barely host a raid on World of oh Warcraft. Oh my gosh! Like, <laughs> right? Uh, like that's awesome that she was mm-hmm. able to just like do that. Yeah, she's she's 13. She's in charge of hosting the wedding for the entire kingdom. Like, this is mm-hmm. a lot of pressure on a 13-year-old. And apparently she does brilliantly. Everyone mm-hmm. is really impressed with her. They think she's fantastic. So um, let me ask this. Because we question whether Jaehaerys is truly the way he is described. Mm-hmm. So should we also question, is this true about Allison? Was she really this brilliant and wonderful? I think that... I lean towards yes, just because I feel like she, it is telling that she actually has to do things. Yeah. I tend to agree because of that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That like Jaharis literally just sits there and everyone's like, wow, Mm -hmm. wise and good and amazing and smart and gentle and courageous and chivalrous and he's all the best (laughs) things. And he's literally like sitting quietly in a chair. Meanwhile, Alisanne is like throwing parties hosting people 
actually having to be social like mm-hmm. if she had been awkward or shy or failed they would have called like the maester would have called it out because like That's he does true. that with reyna when reyna's young it's like reyna was really shy and like didn't like people and and i think also just the women in the text don't have the benefit of the doubt that the patriarchy gives mm-hmm. the men right so i i do think like, it's important for us to question whether they actually did. like i think there's things reyna says that she did that she oh, did yeah. that she didn't do you know i think she's yeah. bragging sometimes but it's not as um extreme mm-hmm. i think for the women's stories because the maester's much going to be much more willing to be critical of the women yes right even to the extent of making things up about them mm-hmm. uh than he is of the men it's almost the opposite with the men he'll, he'll make things up about how good they were right you yeah. know unless he's got some kind of angle yeah because the double standard and you had a really interesting question of like how does the character of jaharis and alisan that we see in this part of the section help us to understand Alyssa? yes yes because i think that you can tell so much from a person by how what their children are like, whether that be good or bad, you know. Mm. And these kids seem to have a close relationship with their mom. They're not, like, distanced from her or trying to get away from her or sending her away or anything like that. Right. And at minimum, they seem to be very level-headed. You know, even if we take, you know, some of the descriptions with a grain of salt and we kind of question how much of this is, you know, bias of hindsight, that kind of thing, like... They're not bad kids. Mm-mm. They seem to be like, you know, Allison's really into learning. Jaharis is like a pretty good listener, which is a really good trait to have as a king. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're, they they want to do good stuff. They want to do the right things, what it appears to be. And that has to have been instilled in them by Alyssa because they were very young when Anus died. And they wouldn't have had input from him. And she was their primary caregiver. Right. So, I- Yeah. And at the very least, they turned out pretty, see- so far, seemingly pretty well-adjusted for all of the shit that went down when Magor was king. Like, I th- yeah. I feel like what we see of them as being, like, at the very least, like, charming, gregarious, mm-hmm. friendly kids, mm-hmm. um, given what the, like, strains that were placed on them and Alyssa while they were young, like, she did a pretty good job protecting them Mm -hmm. and like shielding them from the worst of the trauma that was happening um Mm -hmm. and like whether that means they're too sheltered or whatever i don't know we don't know that yet we're not you know like that's it's too early to say anything like that but at the very least like she did protect them in a healthy way like they don't seem to be all that screwed up based on and like they would have every reason to be screwed up Mm -hmm. because of everything that happened yeah because they had it like one of their older brothers died in a dragon battle. Um, the you know, like Aegon and Reyna were basically held hostage for a long period mm. of time and everyone hated them. And then their older brother was tortured. Viserys was tortured. Like they have reasons to be screwed up kids. Mm-hmm. And to my mind, the fact that they're not screwed up kids says a lot about Alyssa's parenting. Yes. And how she I was able to agree. protect them and give them room to like still be kids. Mm-hmm. And but but to not pretend these things weren't happening because mm-hmm. Jaharis and Alison are, are acutely aware of what had happened with Magor right. and they're making decisions now based on things that Magor did so as to not repeat mm-hmm. that but they were taught about it and they were almost like they were exposed to it in like the most age appropriate way you could be exposed to your crazy uncle who's torturing people you right. know like they and, and yeah I think that all comes that's all kudos to Alyssa mm-hmm. the whole the whole way um. Uh, We got a couple of tiny things to clean up here before we get into, like, who gets shafted. So we've got some, like, 
You put down, why did the Prince of Dorne not come to the wedding? Yeah, he sent his daughter. Why not? Why didn't he go? What's wrong with him? Why can't he come? <laughs> um, maybe he had gout and was confined to a I mean, I was like, are, that's what I was thinking. I'm like, are, is every Prince of Dorne confined to a chair? He can't come and get his ass up and come to King's Landing. They always send somebody else. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe they don't trust the Targaryens and they don't want to. Yeah. By this time, if they had if they had Rhaenys as captive, by this time she would be dead, dead, dead. Yeah, dead, because yeah. she would have uh-huh. be, be too old. So maybe they didn't have a a safety net to keep the Targaryens. Right, like sending a daughter feels like a really like feels polite, but also distant. Like in a way to be like, I don't want to remind you that I'm here. Mm-hmm. Because you've been ignoring me for a while, and that feels pretty good. But I also don't want you to feel slighted. So, like, I'll send my daughter. Yeah, feels like a really politic move. Um, I feel like the, a prince going there would also almost be like legitimizing the Targaryens. And then the, the Dornish are still kind of like, yeah, you did invade. You did right. invade. That like you know? the prince going himself would be in a way implying that he submits to targaryen rule well because as you know gretchen only a king can speak to a queen right so you right. would need to set <laughs> <laughs> oh the bad show um, yeah oh my god yes <laughs> Ooh, try not to um do we think that the high septon soiled himself you don't, I don't think so i because he hasn't he seen dragons before wasn't he in he was in Old Town the yeah. last time dragons came, right? So what would it do? Why would he be afraid this time? Yeah, I tend to feel like if he did, it was probably just because he's really old. And, well, and this so, maester, so everyone was like, this maester that's writing. I always forget the name of the maester who's actually writing the Gildane. story. Gildane. This so this high septon. This is the same high septon that's called the Lickspittle. Yeah, the high Lickspittle. Yeah. Every time. Since that name came up, like that nickname was brought by Septon Moon, every time this the High Septon comes up, our, the Maester writes High Septon, whatever, um, who was known as the High Lickspittle. He always brings it up, so I think he just doesn't like this High Septon, uh-huh. and I think he made this up because he doesn't like this High Septon. Yeah, okay, and he calls it a calumny, and that's the same thing that happened with. Magor, it's the same word that he used when when the story about Magor killing cats came up when he was a kid. They're mm-hmm. like, oh, some say it's rank calumny. And yeah. I wonder if we should track that too. Of like, whenever mm-hmm. he uses the word calumny, is that a sign that he's just making shit up? Yeah. I think he's just making shit up. Literally shit up in this yeah. circumstance. Uh-huh. Okay, <laughs> I'm with you on that. But yeah, because I, yeah, I agree. He does not like this high septon. Yeah. It's very clear that he does not like the High Septon. Um, We've talked a lot about Alyssa, but I want to circle back around because in terms of, Mm -hmm. like, who gets shafted, I feel like we are getting more, like, we are continuing to see the ways in which, like, Alyssa is being written out of the story. Mm -hmm. Even though she's clearly the power, like, the power behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. Um. Because when I, like, because you you noted that we kind of get the story from her POV in this section. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I noted was that most of it is about her background, how pretty she is, and all the men in her life. Yeah. Well, but that's the most important things about her. What was the wrong? <laughs> <laughs> is there like, she's let so, me, look at how beautiful her eyes are. And they're her like, hair yeah, they're so like, funny. let me tell you about Alyssa Valaria. She's real pretty. All the dudes want to yeah. marry her. Mm-hmm. Um, she marries the king, has a bunch of kids. And then all of her children suffer. And I'm like, okay, so the only things that are, like, interesting 
is about how pretty she was as a young girl and then the tragedies of her being a wife and mother. Mm-hmm. Like, and that's one of those, like, once again, we're seeing, like, the maester's bias. Yeah. And how shafted she is getting by the story that she's being relegated to just, like, this tragic wife and mother figure when, like, she's clearly the one in charge. Mm-hmm. Um, very Allison to very Allison to mm-hmm. her, you know, to be, be the behind the scenes power. Right. Yeah. Right. And in mm-hmm. the kind of op- – like, that this seems to be, like, the, the kind of benevolent sexism to what we saw with Visenya, where, like, Visenya right. is the one in power, but because she's forceful – and militaristic and dangerous and visibly powerful she's a spooky scary lady like Alyssa gets to be tragic because Mm. she's so maternal right like she gets to be perceived as this like poor tragic mom which is just the same yep it's the same dynamic because she's the queen behind the scenes running the shit running the show right that they cannot actually say she's the one in charge they have to like you know, either vilify her like they do with Visenya, or they basically just, like, patronize her by calling yeah. her this, like, tragic mom who's, like, driven by her trauma. And, like, look how sad look how sad and tragic she is. She can have some power as a treat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. She's been such a good girl. Mm-hmm. Yeah, She's the she goodest to, girl. Yeah, she used to have a little bit before her Yeah, that's goes. exactly like Allison. That's a really good – I hadn't thought of that as a really good parallel. I'm, I'm really glad you brought that up. Mm-hmm. Hmm. But, like, the rest yeah. of the time, she mostly just disappears entirely behind Rogar and Harry's. Mm-hmm. And that's definitely not what's actually happening in these events. Um, well, part of that, too, is that the, the maester doesn't recognize that, like, throwing a royal wedding, like, organizing that, for example, by way of example. Mm-hmm. If she is the one putting that whole thing together, he does he doesn't understand how much work that is. How much command that requires. Like, you have to tell people to do stuff and they have to actually carry it out for this event to occur. Mm-hmm. You know? And he doesn't, like, that doesn't phase him even a little bit. Right. Right. You know? Yeah. The assumption that, like, women's work is not real work. That, like, right. if she's just planning a wedding. I'm like, no. She's, like, you know, she was probably the one planning all of the events that Alisanne was hosting. Mm-hmm. she's the one who's like coming up probably very likely the one coming up with like okay so who's going to be hanging out with who at what time when like she's organizing mm-hmm. the actual people who are going to be talking to each other and even though the like talking to each other is where like the you know quote unquote like the power exchanges are happening like she's the one organizing those right exactly and so like i can imagine her sitting down and being like okay alisanne like this morning you're gonna have breakfast with the vances and then you're gonna have lunch with the masseys and then you're gonna have dinner with the starks and like here's Mm -hmm. what i recommend you talk about and like here are the maiden daughters here's what they're interested in like she's the one planning who alisanne's going to be talking to and spending time with Mm -hmm. and like so she's the one orchestrating she's like the puppet master behind the scene orchestrating everything but that's just i don't know wedding planning Right. <laughs> Shrug. You know, these ladies and their their dances and their, their <laughs> feasts and frolics. Their, their feasts and their frolics. You know what this is? This is like a, a larger scale version of um that scene from Game of Thrones, the t- the bad TV show, uh-huh. where Bronn is with Lawless Stokeworth and Lawless is like trying to talk about their wedding and Bronn's like women. Uh-huh. Like, <laughs> like yeah, bro, weddings are important. Why <laughs> Right, right. Um yeah, which is like this wedding is a really big deal actually. Mm-hmm. This is a huge it is a cultural event. This yep. is not just two people getting married. 
unlike Raina's wedding, which was basically just like two people getting married in a chapel somewhere, like the wedding between Alyssa and Rogar is a cultural, it's a societal event. It's a big deal. It's a historical event. I mean, it's so big that it made it into this history text. Yes. Yeah. Like a bunch of people are coming to this wedding from all over in order to talk to each other and you know mm-hmm. build alliances and have political influence and like it's a really big deal mm-hmm. it's not just like a party <laughs> I yeah. mean, it is a party but it's more, way more than that yeah um which kind of reminds me of the way that the purple wedding functions in a song of ice and fire the way that yes. it's this like big societal event and it gets into our themes yes. our themes about power yeah power mm-hmm. so much power we talked about them um Jaharis and Allison landing their dragons in the middle yep. and, you know, using that, obviously. But the wedding itself, mm-hmm. you know, the fact that um, the faith is present, the faith is endorsing this wedding, the Targaryens are continuing to be in power, they have their dragons, they have their money, look at how big this is, look how many people are here mm-hmm. to watch. Um, I love that it's in the dragon pit. Besides the logistics of it being in the dragon pit, because there's just, like, a lot of seating uh-huh. there. Yep. <laughs> um. I think that's really important symbolically as well, mm-hmm. that it's in the place where they're planning to store the dragons. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, because we've talked about that, that the dragon pit is like, creates that like third locus of power on the hills. Right. Mm-hmm. And so like, yeah, they're bringing everyone, they're bringing thousands of people from around the country together to this place that symbolizes like where the dragons live. And to show everyone, like, wow, our dra- our dragons are so, like, physically large mm-hmm. that they have to live in this, like, the, the handful of them that we have have to live in this giant building that can seat 40,000 of us. Right. 40,000 of you. Right. And, like, you know, that's a really good visual for those people to remember. Like, oh, these are big boys. These are big 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 lizard. Big lizard says burn. Right. If I say anything wrong. Right. It's a huge oh. display of royal power. And it's also a really good way to appease the small folk, which brings in our next theme, which was something that we said we wanted to track, mm. which is like, what does being a conciliator mean? Yeah. Because remember, there yes. are like two definitions. Like a conciliator can be someone who mediates disputes between warring mm-hmm. parties or like placating someone who is already upset. And, like, I feel like what we see in this section is a lot more of, like, the placating side of things. Like, yeah, what better way, like, everyone's, you know, there's a civil war under Magor. Everyone's been fighting, especially the crown against the small folk and the faith. Mm-hmm. Like, what better way to, like, soothe all of that anger than to, like, bring everyone together for, like, a giant royal party with huge displays of wealth. Mm-hmm. Um, as we'll see, they're going to have a big tourney. Like, they're making this a huge cultural event, and that's such a way to appease, like, it gets to appease everybody. Like, the lords get yeah. to come and meet the king, and, like, having, you know, have therapy with the oh, king. Oh, and do all kinds of cool stuff. Yeah. They get to meet the king, and the hand, and the queen regent, and the princess, mm-hmm. and they have the wine, and they have the parties, and they have, I mean, like, it's so, it's like, it sounds like so much fun. Right. I want to go. <laughs> it's also a really smart way to encourage people to declare loyalty that doesn't involve either threatening them or them bending their knee and submitting. It's like mm-hmm. a it's a way to provide them like, here, show that you're loyal to us by coming to a party. Mm-hmm. Like, they don't have to look like Torrin Stark, who like submits by bending the knee and then becomes the, the mm-hmm. king who knelt, nor do they have to feel threatened. Like, mm-hmm. it's a really 
easy way to allow people to like declare a loyalty without feeling like they're compromising because like I'm just going to a yes. wedding but like going to the wedding is a way of showing that you are aligned with power because you are going to that mm-hmm. wedding and when you go to the wedding if you're kind of on the fence but you go and you're surrounded by people who are are loyal mm-hmm. you feel more comfortable being loyal yep yep it's like oh we're all doing it yep. this is we're all doing the Targaryen thing yep you know and it's I mean, that this is how peer pressure at parties happen, mm-hmm. okay? This is how kids, they make the kids try alcohol underage because you go to the party and everyone's doing it. Yeah. <laughs> right, and then like, you do it too. Yeah, so it allows, like, Maegor supporters to, like, prove their loyalty without, you know, building resentment in any way because they haven't given up yes. a child as a foster. They, you mm-hmm. know, or as, like, a hostage. They haven't had to pay money. I mean, they mm-hmm. are probably paying money, but it's a wedding present rather than a, like, a fine. Right. Exactly. Rather than, like, you owe me, like, $10,000 because you sided with my usurping uncle. It's like, buy my mom a wedding gift and we're good. It's, it's kind of like a trick. It's kind of like yeah. you. they think they're doing it willingly. Uh-huh. Yep. You know? Like Everyone they loves think a wedding. Yeah. They think they're giving it willingly, you know, as opposed to, like, mm-hmm. Being socially pressured to do that. You know, it's social pressure as opposed uh-huh. to, like, threats of violence. Right. And it's a lot more effective. Right. Which is, that's the thing. This effective. is really smart. Really yeah. smart to, like, have such a big, to have this kind of event at the beginning of the reign is really, really smart politically. Um, mm-hmm. Which just smacks of Alyssa. I was going to say. <laughs> like, I, I wonder if part of Alyssa's reasoning wasn't to have a big giant wedding like this. Mm-hmm. Or what maybe just happened that way. I, I, could, see, I, I could see her like strategically thinking about like, okay, but like, what haven't we tried mm-hmm. to like win over the people? Like, Magor tried fighting it. You know, like they've tried a bunch mm-hmm. of things. Like, well, what haven't we done yet? Mm-hmm. Like, what is a way that we can like, you know... And it, like, it rely- it reminds me of Visenya and Rainey's when they were like, well, you know what's good for uniting people? Marriages. Yep. Mm-hmm. We're like, going to intermarry all of them. Yep. Yeah, marriages. Now they're, now they're related. A, yeah, is how you create yep. alliances. That, like, it would make sense that, like, a woman would be like, well, how do we create goodwill? Uh, how do we foster goodwill? How do we, like, calm everybody down? How do we, how do we make something good and happy after a big tragedy happened? Like, Mm -hmm. that there's a lot of benefits to, like, a big giant wedding that's, like, on this scale. Mm -hmm. That, like, technically this looks like the kind of wedding that you would give the king. You know? Like, in terms of scale. Yeah, that is the thing. Like, it does feel like a royal wedding. I mean, technically, I guess it's royal because Alyssa's involved. Right. But it's not, like, classically royal. Not both both Mm -hmm. aren't royal. No. But, like, I could see Alyssa having a lot of, like, you know influence over like no it needs to be big and we need to invite everybody it needs to be really extravagant Mm -hmm. like this is going to make everybody happy everyone's gonna it'll help people forget and move on from the bad things that happened because we're giving them something good we're entertaining them and we're start like we're starting it this like new chapter Mm -hmm. this is what we're doing yeah i like what you just said about what have we not tried before let's put a pin in that and bring that up next episode because the second half of this chapter has something that i think that applies very much to Mm -hmm. um but conciliation as a theme, I think is going to be a big thing with Jaharis, uh-huh. as we've talked about. And um, the wedding was a, a genius way to start. And it was not, the text doesn't even pretend it was Jaharis' idea. No, 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 no. 
That was an Alyssa thing. Yeah. That was absolutely an Alyssa thing. That wasn't a Rogar thing. Mm-hmm. And no one way. thing we haven't talked about about um, the decision to promote the lords from Magor's reign. Mm-hmm. Another way that that's not just like, well, probably again, Alyssa's decision. Um, that's another one of those like politically smart moves that looks merciful. Um, because it does yeah. look merciful. But also yeah, it does. keep your friends close, but your enemies closer. Yep, exactly. Like, yep. what better way to like, Either, you know, you may not be able to win their loyalty, but you might. By, like, promoting them and giving them favors, you might actually win them over to your side. But if not, Mm -hmm. they're close and you can keep an eye on them. Yeah. And that's really smart. Like, and it seems, again, like, a lot of what's happening in this chapter is kind of on the placating side of conciliation. Mm -hmm. Of, like, let's just bring the temperature down. Everyone's been real hot recently. Let's just, like, bring it down. We'll make everybody happy. We'll give out some favors. We'll give out some lordships. We'll give out some promotions. We'll have a big wedding. Everyone mm-hmm. will feel calm and good and happy. We'll get them all drunk and they get to have mm-hmm. a big party and they're going to feel better. And they'll feel more secure. Yep. So like, like for example, if I had been hand to Magor, whoopsie doodle. <laughs> Oops. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, and now, like now I feel very insecure. Now I'm sitting in my castle saying, holy shit, when am I going to get you know, when are they going to come from me? And then if I get asked to be, you know, on the council again, I feel like, okay, maybe I'm good. Maybe we're good. Maybe I don't have to be worried all the time and, you know, be prepared for battle and be expecting death. Maybe I can be helpful. And honestly, if I don't want to expect death, I'm going to be motivated to be very helpful mm-hmm. because I want to prove that I'm that I'm worth keeping around. Mm-hmm. So absolutely. So I think that's pretty much the first half of the chapter. Um, reminding everybody, if you want to email us, uh, you can. Our email is House of Fire and Blood Podcasts, all one word, all spelled out at gmail.com. And uh, we do also have an Instagram, which is I think it's House of Fire and Blood Podcasts mm-hmm. <laughs> on Instagram. Yes. Uh, Gretchen has been posting some wonderful pictures of her Alyssa Farm and cosplay, and we're going to be posting some other cosplay pictures and such mm-hmm. as we get them. Uh, so you can definitely follow up with us there if anybody wants to be in any upcoming episodes or you have any questions for the pod let us know and we'll definitely reach out to you guys so thank you guys for joining us and just remember that you have to plan your wedding well in advance because the only wedding date that's available is the seventh day of the seventh moon of the new year Mm -hmm. and also remember that if you want to retain your power under patriarchy just marry a younger man All right, guys, thanks for joining us. We'll talk to you next time. Bye, everyone. Bye. We're recording. I do have my PMP audio. Yes. Are you my microphone? Okay. (laughs) Are you my microphone? Excuse me, sir. Are you my microphone? <laughs> picking me up loud today for some reason. I don't know what this microphone, like... Hold on, let me turn this down a bit. Maybe this will help it not be so insane. Yeah, okay. This microphone is... She is a fickle... She is a fickle lady. Mm. All right, it's better. Moody. Right. Yes. Maybe like she's a, a woman. sorceress. <laughs> Oh my god, of course. We were just waiting for that.